Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. A nice addition for the for the big dance. Look at them go. They're they're feeling the March Madness spirit as are we. Again, it's Big Tip Plus Four. Sam Sprunger there on the other side. I'm Dalton Shetler. Yeah. Sam was elated with the dancing animals. Oh yes, I I well, little do people, uh, uh, many people know. I guess my close friends or people that have talked to me enough. I love penguins. Like they're my favorite animal of really? all time. Like uh, if I see a video, like I used to, when we were in Indiana, we had a membership to the Fort Wayne children's zoo. And that allowed me, if I was in Fort Wayne, just happened to be in the area, I'd stop at the zoo, go look at the penguins. Cause they were relatively close to the front. And then I would turn around and walk out. Really? Yes, absolutely. If my wife would let me own a penguin, I would have one. <laughs> are you a youngstown state fan do you got any merch uh i don't have any of them i, I it, it used to be before the golden knights came into vegas and i adopted them the first year they were in existence as my hockey team the penguins were my hockey team okay and okay. it was because they were penguins and also gold and black are really cool colors together yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but okay, okay, that's it's interesting enough. Yeah. All right, um, but March Madness, it's it's really starting to pick up a little bit here now. We're gonna be it's breaking down crazier. Uh huh. Finally, right? <laughs> like some of these games are getting even more more intense. We've had some ridiculous upsets, but what just happened last night in the Sweet Sixteen? We're gonna be breaking that down. We're gonna preview some more of the Sweet Sixteen matchups that are to come today. And we might even hop over to the Sweet 16 on the women's side a little bit later on as well. Yeah. Uh, just depends how much March Madness ends up derailing us, which is very possible given what just happened last night. <laughs> but maybe that's the the launching spot here for, for Big Ten Plus Four as we get this one underway here today. Last night's games, there were two of them that I thought competed for game of the year. I, yeah. I, I just thought what Michigan State and Kansas State was as a game I thought what UCLA and Gonzaga was as a game. I thought both of those really were just about the best games we've had all tournament. And I know that's a little bit of recency bias. We had Furman, Virginia, just about to kick the thing off. Um, we've had some good games, but what those two games were, were high-level basketball. And let's start with Michigan State because Michigan State being bowed out. Real quick, oh, go I, ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The only thing I was going to add to that was just because it's an upset doesn't mean it's a great game. Correct. You know, and and so while there was a great finish to Furman, Virginia, it wasn't necessarily a great game. What happened to Purdue with FDU? It was a great upset, but it was not a great game. Both teams shot in the low 20 percent. Correct. Purdue, so the game wasn't a great game. It was a great ending to it. So I, I totally agree with you. And I just wanted to kind of clarify that a little further. No, that's a that's a good distinction to make because we were seeing high level just basketball yeah, in, in the games yesterday in the Sweet Sixteen. Let's start as as uh, we said with Michigan State because Michigan State was kind of carrying the flag for the Big Ten uh, into the Sweet Sixteen. They were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was the only team left for the Big Ten, and them being bowed out now means the Big Ten is bowed out yet again, and that means now that the the Big Ten. Can't get another team to the Final Four, which means the last time still was 2019, which also means the Big Ten can't win the whole thing, which also still means the last time was the year 2000. Michigan State has both of those. <laughs> but let's talk about this game real quick because yeah. 98 to 93, Kansas State beats Michigan State in a game where neither team could simply miss a shot. I wanted to pull up the team stats here before we mm -hmm. fully jump into this. For Michigan State, they shot 52% from deep, 49% for the floor. Meanwhile, Kansas State shot 46% from three, but 56% from the field. 
unbelievable. Yeah, and you know what? It, it did not seem like even when there were when either team got five points ahead, you're just like, when's the next run coming? Like you mm-hmm. just when 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 one of them went on a drought, you were waiting for them to turn back around and start hitting shots, and they did. If there would have been two more minutes, it probably would have. Michigan State probably would have won that game. Just from the way things were going, Michigan State was always coming back, or Kansas State was always just coming back. And oh my goodness, just the the plays that that were made by both teams. AJ Hogard falling down, then standing up and throwing the ball up and getting it to fall. That's an amazing play. You know, arguing with your coach and then throwing a half court alley oop oh pass. Oh my. That I mean, and and I saw in the press conference that Knowles said, you know, there was speculation that that was by design. They were supposed to fake argue with one another. And he's like, no, we just have a thing to where we make eye contact, and that's when we do the alley oop. And he said it just happened to be while we were argue. I was, you know, having a conversation with the coach. He made eye contact, and in the middle of my sentence, I threw the ball up. You know, yep. Those are the plays or the behind the back pass that almost leads to a layup. Like Knowles had a chance to have 25 assists. And the fact that he had 20 points and 19 assists is amazing. And, and that's one thing maybe we should start with too. What Noel did in this game. Noel, sorry, not Noel. Was just about one of the, the better NCAA tournament games as an individual I've ever seen. And I don't want to be super prisoner of the moment. I'm trying to find some, some performances that rival it. Cause I know they exist. There's one that I remember and it, it harkens back to my olden time days when I was in high school. And it was when Glenn Robinson played Kansas in the sweet 16, he scored 30 in the first half and he could not miss. I mean, there were times uh, there was there was a play uh, in that game against Kansas where he went to jump stop and his feet went and he started falling over and obviously they were calling a travel but he threw it up as he and he and it went in like he couldn't miss and and now that was just points but that's kind of just taking over the game you know mm-hmm. with forty four Purdue went to the elite eight like it it was a great performance and and what Noel did was on par with that. It was it was an epic performance. The the 19 assists is an NCAA tournament record, and he compiles that with 20 points. It was just a legendary performance. But let me say this from the Michigan State perspective, because this is this one stings a bit for the Spartans, and you go against a team in Kansas State that just simply couldn't miss. Uh, but for Michigan State, this felt like the the first time maybe in six or seven games where I thought Michigan State didn't have control of the game. I thought Michigan State played exceptionally well, but I thought Marquise Noel was the best player on the floor, Mm -hmm. and at all times he was in control of the game. And that plays out with the 20 points and and 19 assists that he had. And I also want to say for Michigan State, proud of the effort. I mean, that was for sure. Effort had at some times, like the Ohio State game in the Big Ten tournament, it had been questionable at times. They left it all out there on the floor. They played a wonderful game. But the 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 fact of the matter is, in this tournament, when you start getting deeper and you start playing some of the best teams, you have got to have both defense and offense with yeah. you. And I didn't think Michigan State had its best defensive game really by a long shot. And And you can point back. I mean, Kansas State... It's, it felt like a bit of destiny for him where Marquise Noel is hitting a, a runner with one on the shot Falling clock that over banks in. After yeah. he come out and had to get his ankle taped, retaped, and oh. like some some of that was just it was destined for Kansas State. Yeah. But Michigan State did not help itself on the defensive end throughout the night. They shot more than well enough to win the game. And and Kansas State was hitting everything. But you got to couple that with a little bit of defense if you're Michigan State. And now now it's going to be a bit of a what-if, Sam, because you, you look at this season, and it had been a bit of an up-and-down ride. But now if Michigan State's able to get just a couple more stops and beats Kansas State and goes to the Elite Eight, you're a, a win against Florida Atlantic away from going to Tom Izzo's ninth Final Four in his history. Like, this, this, there's plenty of what ifs for every school in their history, but this will add into Michigan State's will it collection. Make you feel any better if I say Florida Atlantic wins Saturday? No, 
<laughs> because honestly, uh, I got to see Florida Atlantic play against Memphis and then against FDU. Yep. And then I watched the game last night and wow, what a team, like they are so well built for a tournament. Like they, like, you know, we, we talk about some teams just produce during the season and then they're not set up to make a tournament run or they're, they could make a tournament run, but they're susceptible to a, an upset. Mm -hmm. Florida Atlantic is built. They've got runners. They've got shooters. They've got a big man. I think I I'm, I'm stupid for saying this, but I think they win Saturday. Oh, I don't think you're stupid for saying that. And and the reason why I believe is a little bit different than yours. Marquise Noel's ankle, I'm curious if it looks like a grapefruit when I, they go I'm to play sure that game. As soon as he took his shoe off and took all that tape off and had time, I bet it swelled bigger than just all get out. And and between that and the whole team just playing a absolutely unbelievably intense 45 minutes against Michigan state. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how much they still have left over. Well, but and, and, point, and maybe that's, maybe that's an added thing to it too, because you know, Florida Atlantic, while they played Tennessee, they had a difficult game. They did it a lot easier than, than K state did. Correct. And, and that's where I think, because I think the way it matches up, like Florida Atlantic, if, if folks haven't had a chance to watch him throughout this tournament Dusty or throughout Bay the is year, an incredible coach too, by the way. Yes, who I has big that. Big Ten ties. He yes. was a manager at Indiana yep. uh, under Bob Knight. But um, it's a very modern style of basketball with Florida Atlantic's doing. They're either getting to the rim, or it's going to be a three pointer for the most part. I mean, if if you get a good shot, they'll take a good shot somewhere along the way. But that's the philosophy. We're either we're, we're taking high value shots. <laughs> They're not which forcing is, mid range jump mid mid range jumpers, They're which a lot of colleges do. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's a very NBA approach, which again is the high value approach in today's basketball. Right. You either get a three, or if you get a good look at a at a quick two right in front of the rim, you take that. Mm -hmm. um, that's why. It doesn't make me feel any better, Sam, <laughs> if you tell me if Florida Atlantic wins, because I think Michigan State's perimeter defense, and now granted last night was a different story, but perimeter defense for the most part had been so excellent that I liked the matchup of Florida Atlantic and Michigan State. Yeah. I was more nervous a little bit about Tennessee because Tennessee plays some grown man ball, but Tennessee really kind of laid an egg last night. And of course it drums up the narrative about Rick Barnes, which I mean, do whatever you want with it. I, I think we, we, oh, was it Matt much into those a little bit. Yeah. Like R ridiculous arguments. Yep. Well, my, my, my thought was, is dusty may his last question at his last press conference in Columbus, they asked him, how do you prepare for Tennessee? And he said, we're going to, we're going to study rugby rules or Australian rules, rugby or Australian rugby rules. Good Lord. There we and, go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's about time. Um, he was, uh, people laughed at him and then thought, well, that was kind of a weird answer. And then you look at what happened last night. You know, FAU hits a three to go up six. And I don't even remember the guy's name that did it on Tennessee. He gives him a, gives Golden a cross check right across the throat. Yep. Yep. What's yeah, that uh, about? Come on. I, I was going to say, and and I, I was trying to be careful how I worded it because for the most part, Tennessee plays physical ball. Yeah, There were a couple of moments last night that were just dirty. And I don't want to, I don't want to make that just the describing word for them You're for not the saying entire they're season. They're dirty team. There were just some dirty actions in the game last night. There were some dirty instances last night and they've been accused more than once of being a dirty team. So it's, Kind of a tough line to to walk on. So that's why he he made the comment he did, and that's why some people were taken aback by the fact that he said it. Well, Florida Atlantic's big man before the game had said when he was watching tape, they just look like a dirty team. And then, of course, he gets an elbow to across the collarbone and drops to the floor. Basically it was like, reinforcing his answer. I mean, he kind of foreshadowed some of that. So, like, and it yeah. May be, it may have been because he said it, but here's the thing. Don't reinforce his answer. Yeah, that's a, um, that's that's a teenager move is what that is. Well, I'll show you. Yeah, you're going to do exactly what I said you were. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it yeah, Tennessee, that that one kind of bothered me a little bit to, to see that play out that way. But um, 
it was a, a remarkable game full circle back to Michigan State, Kansas yes. State. Tennessee, Sorry. Florida Atlantic was no, you're fine. Flo, uh, Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. Uh, the Owls move on to the Elite Eight, hooting it up uh, in New York City Did as Florida Atlantic the, plays the, Kansas uh, State. The tweet that uh, the NCAA put out or March Madness put out, and it was of uh, the Empire State Building mascot, Sparty. Uh, the Tennessee Volunteer and uh, the Kansas State uh, Wildcat and Owsley, the mascot from FAU, said, I guess our invitation got lost in the mail. <laughs> because I, all three of them and the Empire State Building mascot were there, but Owsley wasn't. Well, Owsley's still dancing, so yeah, Owsley showed up. got one up on him. <laughs> All right, when we we come back with the second quarter, we'll take a look at the other side of the Sweet 16 that took place last night. All right, sticker mule. So, Tony, uh, I just bought some flyers to do, you know, like a a grassroots type of advertising for Big Ten Plus Four. And uh, oh, yeah, you can't go wrong with that type of promotion either. Yeah, correct. And I got I got a great deal on flyers at sticker mule. Yeah, I remember you saying that all of our stickers, all of our Klingons, everything like that, that comes from Sticker Mule. Yeah, now our flyers too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So Sticker Mule is supposed to be the easiest way you can buy custom stickers, decals, labels, and other printing items all online, right? Yeah, order in 60 seconds and they'll turn your designs and illustrations into custom stickers, magnets, buttons, labels, and packaging in just days. They offer free online proofs, free worldwide shipping, and super fast turnaround. If you click on the link in the show notes, Herman is going to give you $10 off any purchase of at least $10. And you can start designing an order in minutes with Sticker Mule. Yeah, and thank you, Sticker Mule. Hey, full whistle. There we go. Into the second quarter. And I do want to mention this, too, just in case anybody didn't actually get to catch the the madness last night. We broke down MSU Kansas State a lot there. Uh, Florida Atlantic Tennessee. I do want to mention we talked about that they're a three-point shooting team, and they, they put a lot of value into it. They only shot 30% from deep last night, went 8 of 27. It was a low-scoring game. They won 62-55, but they still found a way. Um, but that's that's something it didn't notable. It hurt that Tennessee went on a scoring drought, too. The Absolutely. De- FAU's defense uh, stepped it up and, and, and stepped in where the offense wasn't producing where it normally does. So if you're looking for the spark notes of last night, I wanted to make sure that you were uh, you were caught up to speed there. Um, as we take a look at the other side uh, in the West that took place last night for the Sweet 16, uh, this one, I, I don't know how much we even really need to recap, but four-seed UConn destroyed eight-seed Arkansas, 88-65, the final score there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know what? A lot of people have been on the... UConn bus like they got on uh you know this was a team ranked number one in the country at one point this year so they're they are a good team but when you get into league play you see teams multiple times they tend to get your number occasionally and I I do believe that's what happened to UConn you know Marquette had a wonderful season but it didn't match what UConn could do and I think that's Mm -hmm. where we're looking at and while they're a four seed, there there's a there's a lot of people picking them to go to the final four. And I was one of them. I, I believe in the backcourt, but and and look, the backcourt always carries you in this tournament. We talk about that a lot, but yeah. I love the big man that UConn has. And I think when you s- supply a backcourt around that, Adama Sinogo, like I, I think that's trouble. And Sinogo last yeah. night went nine of eleven, had 18 points, eight boards. Like, I, I just think he's a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say besides UConn is just uh, It's rolling right now. Right now. It, yeah. it, they are hot. Yeah. Um, and they're going to take on Gonzaga now, thanks to a classic last night. We talked about two great games. Gonzaga beats UCLA on a game winner. They pull the, the Villanova over North Carolina play out of the back pocket from the 2016 national title where Jenkins, Chris Jenkins, hit the game-winning shot. They do the same thing down one, and Julian Strother nails a three from the logo, gives you some onions, yes. and Gonzaga gets the win. It. I think the Big Ten should go after Gonzaga just so we can have that twice a year. <laughs> I mean, because 
good lord every time they get together it, it happens well the sweet 16 uh or the it was the sweet 16 game back in 06 with morrison i believe yeah when when ucla stormed back and, and got that game then you have the final four game i believe it was the covid year when when Gonzaga hit the half court shot to win the game in the final four Jalen Suggs. Yes. And then last night, it just seems like whenever UCLA and Gonzaga get together, it's an epic battle. It just, it, it's one that you want to talk about. It just, you have to. Yeah. It's, it, it's given us some pretty great memories here in recent times in the tournament. And I did want to point out too, we talked about Strother's big shot and well-deserved. The, the guy did have a double-double too, 16 points, 10 rebounds. But Drew Timmy, we talk about some great performances. Yes. Drew Timmy, 36 points, 13 rebounds for the Bulldogs here. And Timmy plays that well. I, I think Gonzaga has a nice shot here as they go against UConn. I tell you what, it, it, Drew Timmy, like it was a big deal when when Zach Eady did what he did down or to them at the beginning of the year. Anytime you can you can dominate somebody like Drew Timmy, you get you get noticed because Drew Timmy is a, a one of the best players in the country. There, that's not up for debate. Even if he, I think he's still on the the wooden list, the last wooden list. I think, uh, but. That just proves, and and he's going to come through in big spots. If you can't shut him down or at least quell him, you are in trouble because he is that good of a basketball player, at least at the college level. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And now, again, we talked about, or I praised Adama Sinogo from UConn, Timmy from Gonzaga. You are going to have a oh, big man matchup in the Elite Eight between those two. And again, I think it's worth noting, Timmy goes off for the 36 points, 13 rebounds. It, there was news pretty close to tip off, uh, relatively close to tip off for that game. UCLA was without its star big man. So Timmy was able to, to take advantage of that. Now he's going to have to go against a monster in Sonogo, and it'll be interesting to see if he's able to, to kind of put up numbers like that to help fuel Gonzaga. And no, UCLA fans, that's not why Gonzaga won. That's no, not uh, why yeah. you lost. You guys had that game. You should have won. Gonzaga yep. just came back. Okay. Completely agreed there. <laughs> Completely agreed there. Um, but yeah, two classic games. Now, with Gonzaga beating UCLA and Kansas State beating Michigan State. Um, but before we end up taking a break and we'll, we'll come back and preview what's to come, uh, this now means, as we mentioned earlier on, the Big Ten is without representation in the big dance. Uh, the narratives have already started to be drummed up, seen it on social media, circled around, and, and you know this is the case every time. What's our assessment of what just happened with the Big Ten? Does that change how we feel about the Big Ten? Where are you currently at, Sam? Okay, so let's let's go back in our time machine back when it was probably around, it was before Thanksgiving, early November, right? We're talking how the Big Ten's going to look, and we are just decimated at the at the outlook of how this season was going to turn out. We were we were pressed to say it would be more than five teams, a five bid league. We were pressed to come up with a clear cut favorite to win the league. We were pressed to come up with any team that we thought would break the top five, let alone sit atop number one in the country for most of the season compared to any other team. We were pressed for all of these. We ended up having an eight bid league. We had a clear-cut champion. We had a team sit on top of the, the polls for the longest out of any team, number one. Overall, I think this was a successful season. Again, I hold different the value of a tournament run. Do I want that? Absolutely. Do I think that it helps the conference nationally? Absolutely. Am I tired of hearing it's been 23, 24, however many years it gets to since the Big Tens won the national title? Absolutely. But year in and year out, the league puts, if not the most, the second most teams into the tournament. And I think that shows that the, the league, while there needs to be some changes maybe within teams, mm -hmm. it is still very strong. And, and I agree with that. And and here's the thing, too, is I, I think you really have to take 
the context in here with this tournament and and part of it is what Sam just said what the preseason looked like and and how this already had overseeded the expectations with how many teams you got into the dance but also let's take a look you had in this tournament Purdue a one seed Indiana a four seed and in the other six Big Ten teams that got in lower. they were they were seated between seven and ten right, you're going against one and two seeds in the first weekend if you're in that position. So uh, it just, they weren't necessarily supposed to be there. And we've talked about the Big Ten. We've been assessing it all year long. The Big Ten has been incredibly up, just above average. Everybody's been competing in the margins, but they've all been right there. They yeah. deserve the 7 to 10 seeds. Like, that was that oh, was absolutely, yeah, absolutely correct. They weren't underseeded by any means. But that doesn't mean you're supposed to all of a sudden expect the Big Ten to, to plow through top seeds and move on. And it, is that a poor excuse? Whatever. I, I'm willing to say this isn't the best year of Big Ten basketball. I'm willing to say the last two years, that was a much better representation, a lot more disappointing in the tournament, you could say. This year, not so disappointing. The only disappointment, and I'm, I'm sorry, Sam, but it, it's Purdue losing to yeah. Fairleigh Dickinson. No, That's the only disappointment the Big Ten had. And here's the thing. I won't say that Purdue was overseeded at all. They were, I, I went through regular season, Big Ten tournament season, stayed at the, they were in the top five for 17 straight weeks. They were number one for the most of the, the most out of any team at number one this year. So I don't think they were underseeded at all. I right. don't think they were underseated. I think they hit a game plan that absolutely disrupted them because they had not seen what the likes of it, and their shooting outside of Zach Eady was horrid. Mm -hmm. That's what lost the game. And yes, we've been talking about their shooting for three, four weeks now, but you know what? You still had bright glimpses during that time frame where they were struggling with their shooting that you could see, you know what? All they need is for that switch to flip and they're going to be at least resembling what they did in portland so i don't believe that they were underseated they were just extremely disappointing yep and, and i think that's fair and uh, honestly again the last couple of years there have been multiple teams you could point to and say it was disappointing in the dance this yeah. year i think it's only one team in the big 10 that you can really say indiana got beat by miami but outside of that, we're we're and and that's a four versus five. Yeah. So it's not really enough. Like you know, it it just this was a year the Big Ten was not elite, and and, and that's okay. And can I say also, what was it? Twenty seven percent of all brackets submitted on ESPN had Purdue losing in the second round, anyways, mm -hmm. or at least no later than the second round. So for you to say that it's 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 extreme, like they were overseeded. Look, they were expected to be the number four one seed out of all the four one seeds. And so you say they're susceptible to an upset, more apt to an upset than any of the other three-ish. They just got upset earlier. Well, and can is I what say I'm looking too, at then. like I, I don't look at it as they were more susceptible because they were the, the last of the one seeds or whatever. Too. Yeah. I, I just think they're ill-equipped for multiple play styles. I, I just yeah. think uh, they are... I, I think the system Matt Painter has of we grab a giant, we put them under the basket, and we surround it by shooters. And, and especially when you couple that with the fact that the backcourt was as inexperienced and underclassmen yeah. as they are. I mean, we talked about concerns of that all year. For sure. It... it reared its ugly head and well, it, it was the whole reason why we said they were going to be number five in the big 10 anyways right was there yeah no play? absolutely and and that's why when i was filling out my bracket i had purdue the first one seed to go as well i just think they're ill-equipped yeah. for various play styles and maybe in a couple of years when there's more experience in that backcourt this this could look different and that system can flourish better but this one there there was a pretty big achilles heel well and yeah this year was it was it was one of those that they had, if they couldn't force you to play their style, they struggled with you. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. They're damn good to where they could force a lot of teams to play their style. But when you got a team that was equipped that could withstand not going into that style of play, that's where Purdue struggled. And that's what happened in that first round. FDU had their perfect game plan and they executed it almost to perfection. And they did, and, and they and they beat Purdue. 
And and to me, this is what's kind of drove me crazy is I don't believe it's rocket science. I think what Fairleigh Dickinson did against Purdue, other teams could have been implementing that more throughout the year. And look, it is a pick your poison. Like Fairleigh Dickinson, as Matt Painter had said after the game, it wasn't even like we're going to double Zach Eady and then go contest some threes. It was we're going to double Zach Eady and not even contest your threes. Like, well, go ahead. Tobin Anderson from out there. said that too. He said we literally – we knew that Zach Eady scores the same amount of points in wins and losses on average. We just weren't going to let him blow up for 38. And if they yep. beat us on threes, they beat us on threes. Yep. And and especially when you're a 16 seed, you go into that game and you, you're playing with house money already. Like, yeah, completely makes sense. But I, I think you could have seen teams play more daring like that in the Big Ten instead of trying to just handle Zach Eady one-on-one mm -hmm. and letting him drop 35, 40 points and trying to shut down the perimeter. No, Zach Eady's proven. The rest of the Purdue team still could use some proving yeah. there's there's yeah. proving left to do for them so make them prove it that's the what fairly the problem did. is the problem is is next year they're going to be more proven absolutely you know what and, i mean and so absolutely it's, it, it's going to get a lot tougher for teams to just press and win and it's and that's gonna, that's going to be more difficult to double a big man and let them shoot you know it's going to get progressively harder to do as these these guards get older and and I think the the approach then changes. But for yeah. this year, yeah. I I think honestly, if more Big Ten coaches had adapted that philosophy, it's not a three game margin that Purdue wins by. And uh, with that in hand, uh, kind of a, a byproduct of it, Purdue's probably more prepared for yeah. these styles yep. in the NCAA tournament. So I think it's a bit of a double edged sword that Purdue had this year with that. Well, I talked a little bit about it on, on Wednesday that, that there's going to be, I, I don't want it to happen as a Purdue fan, but there has to, I, there's going to be some roster change. Uh, you've got Miles Colvin coming in next year. He's a four-star stud coming. That's Roosevelt Colvin. If you, if uh, listeners don't uh, know who he is, he, he was a stud at Purdue and then won a Super Bowl or two with the Patriots. Um, but uh his son's coming in and he is just absolutely, he balls out. And the thing is, is he's going to want to play. Yep. And he's going to earn playing time. So who is it that is going to lose those minutes? And I, I think there's going to be some transfers. I don't want to see it happen, but I think it's going to happen. And good luck to any of those that do leave because the you know, they're in it for themselves, rightfully so to a certain point that you've got to be happy where you're at. So if they transfer out because they're really positive, that it's going to you know, mean the end of a lot of their playing minutes, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish them well. And uh, it's just a matter if Zach Eady comes back, I think there definitely will be some, some, some departures. Which it'll be interesting. We'll be covering that throughout the offseason. And yeah. this, will, uh, this will conclude our recaps from the Sweet 16, <laughs> but it'll also conclude our, our Big Ten uh, conversation and, and recap as well. Uh, but if any of the listeners out there disagree with our take on the Big Ten overall, feel free, comment. We we encourage discourse. For sure. Um, be be and, respectful, and, but still. Yeah, but we we would love to to hear what you think, and uh, maybe we can go back and forth, and we'll see how that all plays out. Maybe but, we'll get a poll question going. Ooh, ooh. That, that might start engaging. <laughs> all right, let's get to halftime break. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. I'm Little Matt. And here in the 500 Section Lounge, we are three dads who host a family-friendly weekly podcast. Yep, we laugh, we go on tangents, and we talk to great guests. Tangents? I, I don't know what you're talking about with that. You know, there are gases leaking. Uh, all right, all right, okay. Yeah, we have legendary conversations from sports to history, and everything in between. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab, grab a listen. This is Beer in Front. Every week I'll talk about a beer that maybe we've forgotten along the way while we get those check-ins and badges. Being the Chicago beer guy, I'll also talk about great craft beer in the city of Chicago. And remember... Sometimes the beer in front of you is the best one yet. It's Beer in Front, part of the Odd Pods Media Network.
shooter too. Look at that. All right, we got more Sweet 16 games coming at you here today. Uh, there's four Sweet, 10 Sweet, 16 Sweet games. 16 games. Well, Are we talking men's sides? Well, I was going to say still men's. We'll, oh, we'll okay. get to the women's yeah. a little yeah. later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, but uh, uh, some Sweet 16 games, we got four of them on the men's side. Uh, two of them, I'm curious if you see much intrigue here. Because early on, what Alabama and Houston have shown me has been overpowering. And I don't know if, in Alabama's case, San Diego State can can mess anything up on that front. Or if, in Houston's case, Miami can do anything to fluster the Cougars. I think if there's either of those two teams that's susceptible, I think it's Houston just because of the injury to Marcus Sasser. Don't get me wrong. Houston is still really, really, really good without him. But he's your All-American. He's your leading scorer. And when you've got a groin injury, excuse me, that takes weeks sometimes mm -hmm. of basically no athletic like movement to get back to normal. So it's a whether it's a matter to me on whether or not Sasser can uh, power through it and tolerate it and not have it be aggravating enough to where he's got to take minutes out because of it. Now he's going to need some rest. Obviously, that's what that happens every game. But like. If he has to come out at a time where maybe Miami's making a run, but he's got to come out because that groin's bothering him, it may be an end for Houston. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, the, I agree with you that, that both of those teams are kind of on a, a collision course. A little bit, it feels. Yeah, and 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 I think right now, at least in this round, um, it could be – it. It could be Houston that it, that falls if it's either of them, just because of that injury. And and we should note too. And and Sam's mentioned play through, which is correct because Sasser did play this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So by all accounts, it appears Sasser's going to give it a go. Sure, this weekend. But how how he's able to tolerate that pain to Sam's point, that's what's going to be intriguing to see. Um, but Bama and Houston, yeah, been so dominant so far. Bama has San Diego State. That's at six thirty tonight. Uh, Houston has Miami. That's at 7.15 tonight. Now, uh, back to the South region. Number six seed, Creighton, takes on the Cinderella of Cinderella's in this tournament still. 15 seed, Princeton. This is at 9 o'clock. Uh, do we still have the Tigers moving on? I didn't have the Tigers moving on in the first place. Uh, <laughs> uh, I honestly, I mean, I know when we talked uh, about it before the tournament kicked off, uh, last Wednesday that, that I said, if you wanted to look at a 15 seed, look at Princeton, because if they can get you to play their style of ball, they're in the game. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter if, you know, Arizona or Missouri, if you can get them into your style of game, they have you where they want you that they're not always going to win it. But the, and the thing is, is I don't know Creighton. I don't know if Creighton can control it. I don't know. Hmm. Um, there, I really like Creighton. I expect Creighton to win, but I also expected Arizona to win, and then I expected Missouri to win, and it just didn't happen. So um, is this a repeat of St. Peter's from last year to where 15 gets to the Elite Eight? It could be, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting to see because I think <laughs> – uh, for the most part, people without a dog in the fight have started to rally around Princeton because why not? They love the story. That's the way uh, the crowd is. That's what yeah. happened at Columbus with the FDU game. You were there. Yep. You know, you could hear at the beginning of the game, it was probably 40% Purdue fans and that 8 to 12% of the FDU crowd in their little section. And then as the game kept going, all of a sudden there were more people cheering for FDU and it was because the common fans decided, you know what, we're rooting for that team. Yeah, Florida Atlantic and Memphis was the game right after Purdue fairly Dickinson. And once <laughs> Memphis started rolling into this, like it instantly turned to FDU, like quickly uh, being the, the chance that rang around. They, they had a lot of fun uh, rooting them on. Um, the spread currently has Creighton by nine and a half over Princeton, if, if you're curious what the, the favorites are and the, you know, the odds. I, I would speak about whether I think it's even that close of a game, but I'll be wrong. So I'm not even going to touch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's go back to the Midwest for a moment because here's where we have what is at least looking to be the most competitive game out of today's matchups. Um, I'm three most seed, excited about this one. Yeah, three seed Xavier and two seed Texas. This will be the final game of the night. 
Um, but to see if Texas can keep moving on, they knocked out Big Ten rep Penn State in that second round. It was a great game, but Texas able to hang on. We talk about backcourt winning games. Boy, Texas has just about as good as a backcourt as you're going to find. Yeah. Yeah, but I will. Can I can I share something with you? I haven't shared what my brackets were uh-huh. much. I did I did say that I had Purdue winning the national championship, so I have taken that uh, uh, that step out and showing everybody my naivete. I had Xavier. I have Xavier going in the final four. You know what's really funny about this? Uh, I'll you stop you right there. I had them <laughs> oh. losing to Kennesaw State in the oh, opening <laughs> round, and it almost happened. Yeah, was so close. You're absolutely. Right. But I, I really, I, I have Xavier in my Final Four. I just really like the way Sean Miller's got that team playing. They, they, they seem to do just about every aspect of the game pretty well. They're not, they're not the greatest, but they do everything really pretty well. That I think that makes them a, a nightmare to try to prep for. And uh, uh, Texas does have the tendency to struggle with the ability to score, mm-hmm. and with that. I think Xavier could have that run still in them. So that that clearly is the one we're earmarking as yeah. the, the game of the night to really watch. I think that's the, I, I mean, again, unless I'm not seeing something, and oh, it very well could happen, but <laughs> the way Bama and Houston have played, I just, I, I if I'm if I'm projecting, I'm not predicting that that one, those are the two that end up right. being your game of the night. I think it's going to be Xavier, Texas. So yeah. we're on the same page there. Well, I'm um, going to have to, I'm going to have to watch it, you know, follow it on my phone. I'm actually going to be back in Columbus for, they might be giants concert tonight. So I've got to kind of watch my phone and watch them instead. I'll, uh, I'll show my ignorance. They might be giants. Oh my goodness gracious. And kid, I need to send you some fi- some music files. Yeah, they're they're a band. They 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 write funnyish style songs, but they're not parodies. Um, do me a favor. Do your heart some favor. Look up look up Tiny Tunes, uh, Istanbul. Okay, and you will get a video from the Tiny Tunes cartoon from when I was growing up that they did the video a video of they might be giants uh istanbul not constantinople in the tiny tune style oh it's great it's it's fantastic it will do your heart you know what i will just send you the link for it okay okay <laughs> well, but that, that's who uh they they did a uh a, a record or an album back in the 90s called flood and it has my absolute favorite song and you know those those stupid memes on social media that says for three million dollars you must sing a song without missing any lyrics could you do it and what song would it be absolutely minimum wage by they might be giants would get me three million (laughs) dollars you know why minimum wage here that's the lyrics for the song. It's 45 seconds long. Oh, just of the same. Just no, no, on he repeat? says it once. Oh, <laughs> and the rest is just like an, an orchestral type of, oh, like a cinematic music. And that's it. 45 <laughs> seconds. Minimum wage. He are the lyrics to the song. I'm $3 million richer if I've got that proposed to me. It's like the uh, the song where the guy stands there for karaoke and you just hear it going, going, going. And then all of a sudden it stops and he goes tequila (laughs) (laughs) like that's the one you pick yeah 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 Yeah, fair enough so i'll be i'll be watching the game uh not the actual game itself but i'll be watching the progression of it during the concert so all right fair enough um well real quick before we break because (laughs) we we will do um and this is me completely previewing uh and and kind of giving away a little bit of a spoiler but uh, in the headlines we'll talk a little bit about the women's tournament so we'll we'll get our fix in there and we I'm can cut it up there for my headlines okay okay uh <laughs> but before we get to the headlines um let's let's move forward to the elite eight for a moment we said sweet 16 lineup coming at you today yeah. elite eight tomorrow you have florida atlantic against kansas state Six o'clock or six oh nine, who wins? I think Florida Atlantic does. I really do. I th- I think Noel and his ankle, and mm-hmm. I think just the way that FAU is built, they and 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 their coaching. Like I I really fell in love with how Dusty May coaches while I got to see him in Columbus. 
I really love his style. I like his team. His team's very uh, down to earth, but they bust their butts, you know, mm-hmm. to do things right. And I just think FAU's. I, I, while it's a dream season for K State, and it would be a dream for them to get there, I think that FAU just has it going. So I'm going to go with the nine seed. Okay. You got Florida Atlantic in the final four. I'm going to take the opposite. I'm going Kansas State. Fair enough. And you know what? I don't know that there's a wrong pick. Yeah. And and I I feel like a little bit of what you alluded to, that it's a dream season. I feel like it's a team of destiny a little bit there with Kansas State. And uh, But when you have Marquise Noel on the floor, look, I got to be completely transparent here. I did not realize Noel was as good as he was until that game. I knew he was good. I knew he was good. I'd heard him. I had seen some of the games. Yep. I thought he was pretty good. But what we saw that night on that floor, Marquise Noel is one of the best players in this tournament. And I uh, agree more. Yeah, so I, I think whenever you've got somebody like that and you got somebody with the will that he has oh, in that sure. position, I, I just think it's, it's really hard to overcome that, and that's what the Owls are going to have to try and do. And they're going to have to bomb threes. If Florida, if Florida Atlantic's going to have to hit some threes, to beat Kansas State because can't that's the thing. Kansas State is so efficient and so high scoring on offense. They do have some lapses defensively. You can take advantage on that end of the floor, but you got to keep up. You got to keep up on the scoreboard yeah. as given the example by a 98 to 93 win in the Sweet 16 right. to get to this game. BTW, um, the first and only overtime game yet in this tournament. It's true. And and I was looking at uh, metrics. Actually, I think you, you would like this on Twitter. Yes. Uh, Eric Haslam does a lot of different data and, and analytics around he was college off basketball. By the, on the score, but. But right. <laughs> uh, but he, he does game previews and he automates them or whatever. And and the verdict he had after he kind of ran it through the, the process was this should be a highly competitive game. It might even take overtime to settle. And then you, well, you think- look and. I think the computer score he had was 70.25 to 69.99. Like that was the <laughs> how close it was to one another. Uh, yeah. The the computer however could not uh take into account the 50% three-point shooting both teams would would well, be hovering around. And let's jump back to that real quick. You mentioned how, you know, the the defense for Michigan State kind of lapsed and I think that that's telling in the percentages that yep. K State had shooting. They were they were fifty six from inside the arc, and then forty eight or whatever outside. They were getting uncontested lay-ins and dunks very often. So much back door that yes. just never the Spartans never closed that door. Yeah. It just stayed open, and there were at least six seven back door cuts that resulted in layups. And, and I did see. Coach Izzo took that on him. He said, that's our coaches. That was our fault. We should have done something to to stop that, and it just didn't. So, yeah. sorry, I went back to the Michigan State game. but uh, No, no, but yeah. it was such a great game. It was, it was. worth the, the it was. time. It was fantastic. Um, so that's the East region. Florida Atlantic against Kansas State in the Elite Eight tomorrow. Sam's hooting with the Owls. Ooh. I'm taking Kansas State. Uh, now in the West region, four seed UConn against three seed Gonzaga. This will be Saturday oh, night. Good Lord. Who do you got? Oh, God. I don't have a quarter anywhere because honestly, this to me is a coin flip because Gonzaga is always, they're a team built to make runs, not necessarily to ma- win championships yet. And, you know, and I know this is a, what a 17 year work in progress, yeah. but still, They've been to the national championship game. They've been to the final four. They've been twice to in the last five or six years. They've been in the title game. They've been to elite eights. Like this is a program that knows how to make runs, but oh my goodness. UConn is just firing. Like they, they won their game. Granted it was against an eight seed, but it was an eight seed who was playing very well by 22 points. Mm-hmm. Like they're firing. Um, Ah, oh, I can't go against Gonzaga. Okay, you're going Bulldogs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a, going Huskies. There we go. See, we're going against each other in both of these games. Today. Yeah. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. That's yep. perfectly fine. Even though you're going to be wrong twice. Yeah. 
Well, that's <laughs> nothing I'm not used to. Um, but, I mean, for the, the exact reason you mentioned, how fiery UConn is playing right now, they're clicking on all cylinders, and I think Adama Sinogo will give Timmy a little bit more trouble than what Timmy's seen so far in this tournament. Um, so I'm, I'm riding the Huskies. Can we have now, ties? Will they let that happen? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> that's one that I would kind of look at. I think that's going to be a great game. I think so, a too. A great game. Yeah, I really do. Um, now, so we that's that's how we're projecting half of the Final Four. Uh, we said Sweet 16 games are being played today. So, Sam, I'll, I'll ask so we can finish out our Final Four projections heading into the weekend. Uh, from the South, you have San Diego State, Alabama, Princeton, and Creighton. Which team do you think goes to the Final Four? I think it's Alabama and Creighton playing in the Elite Eight, and Alabama goes to the Final Four. I, I would agree with that as well. Uh, let's move to the Midwest. Miami, Houston, Xavier, Texas. Who goes to the Final Four? go against the green a little bit and say Miami, Xavier, Xavier to the Final Four. Okay. I'm going to say Houston returns home and gets to play the Final Four in Houston. So I'm going Bama, Houston, UConn, and... Uh, Oh, what was the the K first State. game we talked about? K State, thank you. And you're going Florida Atlantic, uh, Gonzaga, uh, Bama, and Xavier. Okay, we'll see did how these play out. Did I right Gonzaga beats? Did you or did you not? I yeah, you did because I picked UConn. We we went against each other. No, no. Um, oh yeah, that's an Elite Eight game. Jeez, oh Pete, I was thinking yep. it was a sweet. Yes, I was I starting to get twisted around too. Sorry. To be honest, when we're splitting it. <laughs> We still got a half the round to play yet, but yeah, I, I think it's Xavier Gonzaga, FAU, Alabama. Okay, good enough. All right, we'll we'll write these down and we'll see in a week who uh, who ended up getting <laughs> well, these in right. A few days. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's true too. Next Fair time enough. we take the air, if you're here on Wednesday, we'll have a Final Four. That is very true. Well, let's move to our fourth quarter now and the headlines. All right, time for the headlines, and we'll start with Sam Sprunger in the Sam Sentinel. What do we got? Well, we're going to Detroit. You know, everybody wants to go to Detroit. Dalton, everybody does. It'd be silly for you to say you don't want to. Uh, but uh, recently, uh, it has a Big Ten connection, sort of. Mike Davis is the coach there, uh, former IU coach at Detroit Mercy. But his son plays on the team. Antoine Davis, mm -hmm. and he was approaching the the pinnacle of scoring in the NCAA history after Pete Maravich's uh, record. And uh, Detroit Mercy ended their season in the conference semifinals, I think, of the tournament. Um, and you're thinking, well, is are they going to play extra ball? Are they going to have any tournament? They're not going to get the NCAA bid, but maybe the NIT or maybe CBI. Well, it turns out they were not 14 and 19. That is not a good record, kids, period. Like, let's do the math. That's five games more you lost than you won. On the flip side, Ohio State went 16 and 19 and did not go any sort of tournament play, okay? Mm -hmm. And I would take Ohio State over Detroit Mercy any day of the week and twice on Sunday. But yet, and I didn't realize that the CBI actually costs the university to yep. play in. And it's $27,000 to play in the tournament. And that's only if the, the tournament committee takes you. Well, the committee decided they didn't want Detroit Mercy because honestly, I wouldn't want a 14 and 19 team either. Um, but Antoine Davis decided to say that he felt that it was a slight on him and that he's being cheated from taking the record simply because they didn't want Pete Maravich's record to be broken. I don't think that it is at all the point. I think the CBI, if they would have been, if they would have been 17 and 18 or 17 and 19, it might have been more of a, of a draw to pull them in because yes, you know what? The guy broke the record in our tournament. So that's a, that's a, a but it just didn't work out. And, and he, he said that he felt that he, they, they just didn't want him to break the record and that no, Win more games for crying out loud. If that's the case and you feel that you've been slighted, win more games and make it harder for them to do it. 14 and 19 is not a good team. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care where you're playing. 14 and 19 is not a good team. And to say that it's just simply because of a record, I think is an insult 
and it's not it's un it's an unnecessary statement to make because you're saying there's they've got a problem with Antoine Davis breaking Pete Maravich's record. Would they have still celebrated it if he would have gotten four more points in that last game? He would have right. cele- they would have celebrated it just fine. Okay. Records records are made to be broken, but don't sit here and say, well, they should have given me another chance. Win more games, you don't have to worry about it. That's it. That's fair enough. And and by the way, to kind of add on to it, I, I don't real or understand when all of a sudden we we became super passionate about Pistol Pete's record and, and those scoring points. Because my thing is, look, Antoine had a great career, a phenomenal sure. career. If he scores four more points, I still will never think of him as a better basketball player than than Pistol Pete. No. Pete did it in three years. He averaged 44.2 points a game for his oh, career without no. a three-point line. Correct. Antoine averaged more than 25 a game for his career. It's a phenomenal career. It's a remarkable career. It's not taking anything away to say that even if he scores four more points, it's it's not Pistol Pete. And I like, have no idea if I'm correct, but I'm going to assume he played five years, including his COVID year. I know he played at least four. Hang on, I can pull okay. it up. Okay, so let, let's even just say he did five. Okay, so he played in five years. He he came up short in five years in what Pistol Pete did in three. Correct. So uh, while he would have had the point total, I would have still thought as Pete Maravich is the better of a score because you're right. Can you imagine if there that's was how a three-point line? Can you imagine if there was a three-point oh, line when Pete Maravich played? Some historians have went back and tried to add how many more points he would have. It, it would he would have averaged, I think they said upper fifties to sixty points a game, which does not surprise been a me because line. he was a jump shooter. Like he he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry even was thought before Steph Curry's daddy was even thought about. <laughs> Pete Maravich was he crossed the half court line and you had to guard him or he could be in range like yeah. that. The, and, it, and he was such a pure shooter and I didn't get to watch him, but I've watched enough past films and stuff to just see like he just and he could do it at the hoop, too. That's the yeah. kicker is he could do it at the hoop, too, because he was tall. I mean, the the kid was an eighth grader starting on his high school varsity basketball team. Yep. No, I'm I'm totally with you. But all right, let's segue over yeah. to the Dalton Daily real quick. Uh, we're Oops. we're running up against it a Wrong little button. bit. There we go. Uh, but taking a look at the women's tournament, the women's March Madness. There are three Big Ten teams still left dancing after Indiana. The the Hoosiers had the heartbreak at Assembly mm-hmm. Hall. Miami came in and upset them in what was just a phenomenal game and end of game sequence. There are three Big Ten teams left. Iowa plays today against Colorado. That's going to tip at 7.30 on ESPN. And uh, you take a look tomorrow, pulling up the Sweet 16 games in front of me. Two-seed Maryland takes on three-seed Notre Dame. That's at 11.30 in the morning tomorrow morning. It is. And they played earlier this year. They played at Notre Dame. Maryland won on a game-winning buzzer beater. I believe Diamond Miller hit that one in. Uh, They run it back here, and Notre Dame's without one of their best players who's out for the rest of the season in Olivia Miles. So that should be a fascinating game. And then three-seed Ohio State takes on two-seed UConn. Tomorrow at four Look o'clock. The Buckeyes. See if the Buckeyes can upset them. UConn right now favored by ten points, but let's see if Ohio State can't upset it. I don't it think and, they uh, have JC Shelton or Sheldon like worked into that that formula. I really don't. She's she's starting to hit her stride and I and get yep. back into it and. Had a game winner in the last round. Had a game winner against North Carolina to send Ohio State to the Sweet 16. But a lot of great March Madness women's hoop coming at you uh, here in the next few days. The Sweet 16 starts today. So it's a day behind the men. Keep that in mind. Sweet 16 on the women's side is today and tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. Elite Eight will be Sunday, Monday. But yet they finish a day before the men. It kind of, yeah. That's how it all works out. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it, a lot of great action there and yeah. three Big Ten teams. So make sure you support the Big Ten. Make sure you support uh, Women's March Madness. And not just because you should with it being the Big Ten and whatnot, but it's a lot of fun. Like these are fun yeah. games. If you've been missing them, get into the fray now because these these have been some phenomenal games. I'm not kidding. The Indiana-Miami game, fabulous. It didn't go the Big Ten's way. didn't go Indiana's way. But a fabulous game if you're a basketball fan. Make sure you jump in the excitement. All right. Yeah, let's sorry close to it jump on down. in on your headline there, mister. 
No, you're right. Let's close it on down. Sam Sprunger, let them all know where they can find us. Hey, hey, first off, Wednesday, we are going to announce our new name to the show. It is will no longer be Big Ten Plus Four. Yeah, it's going to be a long drum, drum roll if you're going to wait till Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, for now, find us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. I don't know how much TikTok we're doing because Tony used to be in charge of that. So ah, at, at Big Ten Plus Four, you got to spell out the plus. Uh, on Facebook, get Big Ten Plus Four. You can spell it out, put the plus, think about the plus, doesn't matter. Oddpodsmedia.com. We are the only sports show on Odd Pods Media, which is kind of odd, which makes it fitting. And uh, a great, great family of uh, uh, podcasts there. Uh, we are streamed twice a week on ASAP Network. If you uh, want to get the app, do so. If not, uh, that's fine too. Uh, but if you miss the stream and you want to uh, still watch us, go on to Spotify. You can watch. Uh, watch our stream there or you can listen to the audio version anywhere you find podcasts all right there you go I want to thank you all for tuning in and joining us for another edition of big 10 plus four that's sam sprunger i'm dalton shetler everybody go go dance enjoy Let's march Madness. Dance. Let's have a good time see ya <laughs>